You know, I'm, you know me, I'm a, I'm a proud American. I do believe in America, and I believe in... When you say America is an exceptional place, it is an exceptional place. And the reason why is simply this. When, when uh, World War II had ended and the Japanese were signing their surrender, Douglas MacArthur was asked, what can we do for this country? And his response was to the president, I need 100,000 missionaries. These people have lost hope, and now we can change this whole area of the world. We need to evangelize them. I need 100,000 missionaries. And he was turned down. They said, that's a crazy thing. We don't need to do that. We need to just rebuild them. But that thinking in the hearts of men and women who have been leaders of this country, that this country's greatest advantage, this greatest strength, is that we are a country who promotes the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, is what makes this country a great place. Men and women have died in wars, in battles, in conflicts around this world so that this country could be the great country that it is. And so I want us to just take a moment, and I want to pray, but I just want to take just a moment of silence right now. And you, in your own way, pray and honor this great country. Lord, it is an amazing thing for a person to lay down their life for someone else, just like your son Jesus did for us. And so, Lord, we just lift up America to you today. And, Lord, people say America's sliding backwards, America's doing this, America's going down, but I say, Lord God, that you are God, and you have always been the one in whom we trust. And I thank you, Lord God, for revival in America. I thank you for the blood that's been sacrificed to this nation that we rise to the occasion and become a nation who, again, trust in God and is lift you up and lift the name of Jesus up throughout this land. Father, we stand here this morning and we thank you. and We honor the men and women who have sacrificed their lives so that we can live in freedom. And we thank you, Lord God, as we stop and celebrate this day, that, Lord, we celebrate that you are a good God and that your hand is upon this nation and that, Lord, we will rise to the occasion. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you. Sit down. Uh, be seated. <laughs> Woo! Had my mind somewhere else. Praise God. Mm, forgive me for that. <laughs> okay, praise God. Well, here we go. Oh, get your Bibles out. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. This week's plan is Ephesians chapter 2. And I'm having to stay a week ahead of y'all so I can do the videos. And as I was reading Ephesians chapter 2 with my wife, something leapt off the page to me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use it to preach with this morning. So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. As you're turning there, I'll, I'll tell you what the title of this message is. It's kind of, it's I, I don't know, I just changed it just a second ago. But the other day I, I, I read, I, I was looking at a, I don't know what it was, a, a, a bottle of probably something like Ben Gay. You know, it seems like to be the things I need nowadays. And so, and it, and it said on there, apply is needed. You know, apply is needed. 
And as I read that, I thought, well, you know, then, you know, there, you know, you can use as much as you want. Hello? Like the other day, my wife, she was so smart when she knew I was traveling to Guatemala and she know, knows that I'm not a very good flyer. And she sent me with a little bottle of essential oils called Stress Away, you know. And so finally, I, 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 when I couldn't get home and I was going through all the stress, and I said, a texter said, How much of this can you use? <laughs> she said, How much do you have? How much have you used? And I said, I got it running down my back right now, sweetie. She said, No, not supposed to use that much, you know. And I'm like, Okay, I need a five gallon bucket of this stuff, you know. But it said apply as needed, and I thought to my, it just hit me. I thought, how many people only use Jesus when they need him? They have Jesus in a jar, and on their requirement is just apply as needed. So they go about living life and go about just doing whatever in life and just living their, the, the normal course of life. And then when they get in trouble, they need Jesus, so they apply as needed. And I'm telling you, that's not what Jesus has called us for. That's not what I preached this message last week about. He brought us out so he could bring us in. He did not bring you out of darkness to bring you in to just apply as needed. He brought you in for fellowship so that you could sit and talk with the great creator of the world, that you can have time to close your eyes and sit down and have a moment with Jesus. You say, well, I, I do that and I don't feel anything. Well, then you're going to need this message this morning. Because this message is not about apply as needed. It's about put it on and keep it on all the time. Okay. So Ephesians chapter 2 says something in verse 6. He says, and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, folks, listen to me. Wow. One day you're a sinner, one day you're lost, one day you're bound in drugs and addictions, one day you're bound in just crazy, you're just, you, 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 world's a mess, everything's a mess, and then you turn to Jesus and you, 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 with your heart you cry out to him and say, Jesus, I want you to come into my life, and you, boom, salvation comes into your life. Hello? You know that day? You remember that date happened in your life? Salvation comes to you and you're changed. You're taken out of the kingdom of darkness. You're placed over in the kingdom of his son. But like in this world, in this world system, you would think you would start out at the bottom and have to work your way up to the top. But not according to the gospel here. Not according to what Paul is telling us. He said, no, no, no. You went from sinner to sitting at the right hand of the throne of God in your position. Now, who does that? Any of y'all know in here, no matter what you are, if you, if you join the military, you start out on the low end, you're the private, you're at the bottom. You don't, just, you don't just join the military, sign the deal, and the next day you're a general. Is that right, Colonel Brown? You have to work at it. Years of hard work, years of, of going through the system, years to get there. We get that ingrained in our minds. Listen to me. We get that ingrained in our minds. I'm going to show you this in just a minute. But you get that ingrained in your minds, and then you think that's the way it works in the kingdom of God. Because what we spend most of our life doing is trying to get out the thinking of this world so that we can understand the thinking of God. Because the moment you get God thinking in you, your life begins to change. And you say, well, I just don't see how that can be. Yeah, because you're thinking about it like the world. You're equating God to the world. 
You get saved, so you're going to start out on the bottom. No, you get saved, and you're at the right hand of the throne of God in Christ. Everybody say in Christ. That's your position. Now, I read this in the Amplified Bible. And, I, you know, I, I encourage you, you should read other translations. You can find a scripture like this and go and read other translations. But I kind of was laughing because, you know, the Amplified Bible, to me, I don't like to read it as just a reader because it, it's just too much. But then I didn't know that there's another Amplified. It's an Amplified PC, the classic, and it's even more Amplified than the Amplified. So it's the Amplified Amplified. So I'm reading from you from the Amplified Amplified. It says, He raised us up together with Him and made us sit down together, giving us joint seating with Him in the heavenly sphere by virtue of our being in Christ, Jesus, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Just because you're in Jesus, just because Jesus has come into your life and you're in Him, you now have a positional place in Jesus, at the right hand of the throne of God. Folks, and you think your prayers aren't getting heard? You say, well, I prayed and nothing happened. Well, something's wrong with you. Listen, just listen to me. Don't get mad at me. How could you have a position at the right hand of the throne of God in Christ and not have a voice in heaven? So how far, how far is the Father from you? As close as the mention of his name? But see, the world says, oh, the devil comes in and says, no, you know, why would God listen to you? Nobody on earth does. Why would he listen to you? So let me read something. Again, I'm reading from the Amplified Amplified. Go back up to verse 1. And you he made alive when you were dead slain by your trespasses and sins, in which one time you walked habitually. You were following the course and the fashion of this world. You were under the sway of the tendency of the present age. Now stop right there for a second. You see what I'm saying to you, churches? It's not your fault that you think like you do. Because you think like you do because you've been under the tendency of this world. Am I right? Like I said, everything that we do in life, you start at the bottom and work your way to the top. But in the kingdom of God, you can just see how opposite it is of the world. You get saved and you're sitting at the throne of God. You're hearing me. But if you want to live in that, well, I just don't know how that can be. I just don't see how that can happen. I just don't. If you're going to live like that, you're never going to walk in your position in the kingdom of God. You're going to be defeated. You're going to continually be defeated in your thoughts. You're going to continually be overcome by doubt. You're going to continually be overcome by, by, by fear and tendencies of, of, of everything that this world has to offer. You've got to understand what salvation means. You've got to understand what Jesus paid for you in that salvation. Let me read on. Uh, you were under the sway and the tendency of this present age, following the prince of the power of the air, you were obedient to and under the control. I, no, I didn't write this. He wrote it. You were obedient to and under the control of the demon spirit that still constantly works in the sons of disobedience. 
the careless, the rebellious, the unbelieving who go against the purpose of God. Now, if I tell all you good people here this morning that if you're walking in doubt and unbelief, you're listening to a devil, you might hurt your little darling heart. But I'm telling you, the whispers, the lies, the unbelief, the fear, the jealousy, the anger is motivated by a demonic spirit in this world that wants to whisper to you and keep you from taking your position as a son of God at the right hand of the throne of God. Because he knows if you ever do, if you ever do, he's out. It would be like a police officer that came onto the scene and all the crowd standing there and said, I'll just shut up and sit down over there. We ain't talking to you. And would not give him his place and his position as authority of, 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 of law enforcement. Everybody said, well, that's crazy. He's got the power. He needs to enforce it. Listen to me. You have the power. You need to enforce it. You need to tell the devil to shut up. You need to quit sitting around having debates and playing what if with demonic entities who are never going to quit until you take your position in Christ. The only way to shut a devil up is to take your position and say, shut up. Every one of us in here are subject to the whispers of the demonic forces on this earth. When my kids were in California, it's interesting. When they were, when he was, when they were stationed out at Camp Pendleton and they were, they were there, uh, every time I would just even see anything about earthquakes, you know, mega earthquakes about to happen in California like that, well, then, you know, pretty important to me. You know, I mean, I was like, oh, my kids are there, oh, dear God, you know. I was praying, man, California got a lot of prayers against earthquakes while my kids were there. My kids left, go to Hawaii. Now we got volcanoes. Okay, so now I'm praying about volcanoes. First, they, they just land on the island, a volcano erupts. I'm like, Lord have mercy. Can't I find a spot where they're semi-safe? So I hadn't looked at California anymore. I'm sorry. I mean, I don't live there. I'm not thinking about it. I don't think about it. I don't look at the earthquakes. I mean, I had charts out looking at earthquake patterns in California while my kids were there. I don't do any of that anymore. You know why? It's not a thought. They're not there. I'm not thinking about it anymore. What happened? I just changed my thinking. I just stopped and the fear left. Are you following me? You see, folks, the enemy's trick is to get you continually thinking about what is a fearful thought or an unbelieving thought, playing what if. What if is a terrible game to play? Because you're saying, what if this happens? Or what if that happens? What if stock market crashes? What if this goes wrong? What if this takes place? Well, then what if we lose our savings? And what if this interest rates go up? And what if we do this and we do that? Folks, listen to me. That's a, that's a terrible place to live because you're constantly being tormented by the demonic spirits. that can All they can do is flip something else up. I mean, you go read the normal news headlines, and there is 10 to 15 things that kill you every day. Man, it's the flu. It's this. It's that. It's whatever, coming up, it's this, that, and the other, right? But what did God say who's sitting right beside you? What was his good news for the day? I'm your light and your salvation, and whom shall you fear? I'm the strength of your life, and whom shall you be afraid? 
He's right there. Your position is right in Christ. Why do we even listen? Why do we even give place to any of that? You have to know, the first thing in this message, first point is, you have to know your position you're fighting from. And folks, if you're already on top, you're not like saying, oh gosh, if I could just get, if I could just get my lieutenant to think about me. Because you're just a private. And if the lieutenant is saying, if I could just get the major to look my way. And then the major is thinking, if I could just get the general. And the general is saying, if I could just get the two-star general and the three-star general and the five-star general. This keeps going up the ladder. They're always looking for somebody that's above them. But you're sitting in your position at the right hand of the throne of God. Now you say, how? How is that possible? Because all of us in here this morning aren't fitting on the seat. Right? It's not like, you know, like it's king of the hill. It's not like we're all piled up in there trying to get to the top. Who's on top? So let me show you this. Go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24. Let me show you and get you to understand this morning how your position is in Christ at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews 12, 24. To Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. In the Old Testament, Moses took, by instructing from God, he took a hyssop bush, which looks like some of our sage. He took it and he dipped it in blood of the sacrificial lamb that had been taken. And then he, all the congregation was out there and he whoosh, whoosh, slung blood all over everybody. So everybody out there, I mean, that would be such a fun thing to do. I would just be over I'm trying to, I, I, I'm even talking about uh, going to the board and get them to change the way that we baptize instead of using immersion. I just want one of those water slingers that the Catholics have got so I can just stand somebody up front and go, whoosh, 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 man, that just seems like fun. Or just take the water hole bottle and poke holes and thought, whoosh. But anyway. That's just my carnality. But anyway, to sling blood on a big old hyssop bush all over everybody, I mean, that would just, just watch. And so he, that's how they did it. That's how they did the service. But everybody wasn't dodging the blood. They were wanting the blood on them. Because if the blood of the sacrificial lamb got on them, it showed and symbolized the forgiveness of all their sins for that year. They were clean. They were made right. They wanted the blood. I'm even going so far, I can't prove this, but I'm even going so far, is to say that the shirt that they wore that got the blood on it, instead of going home and saying, no, that's a stain in there. How are we ever going to get that out? I think they hung it up as a banner of honor. I'm saying they hung the shirt there, saying, I have been forgiven of my sins. That blood was something to be honored. That blood was something to look at and say, I, got, I, got, I was in the service and got it all over me. Are y'all with me? Well, it says here in Hebrews 12, 24, it says that Jesus, he's the mediator of a new covenant. Everybody say a new covenant. This isn't the old covenant where I'm slinging the blood. This is a new covenant where Jesus poured out his blood on the mercy seat for us. And it's the blood and to the blood of sprinkling. He's talking about that slinging, but the blood of sprinkling that sprinkling speaks that speaks if you went into that jewish person's home and they looked over there and there was a bloody shirt on there and said what was that first of us first some of us may think well, if you, first time we'd ever seen it we think oh, you know something horrible must have happened was that 
you know, an accident you had or something like that. Oh, no, 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 no. That's when I went to the service and all my sins were forgiven. That's that blood that speaks. It would be speaking. It was testifying. It was saying, you went through the service. You were set free. The new covenant, under the blood of Jesus, he said, he poured it out upon the mercy seat. And everyone who confesses that he is a son of God and invites him into his life, that blood then is over. It covers your sins. But then it speaks. It's speaking of what? is yours under the new covenant. Hear me now, church. 1 John 1, 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us of all of our sins. So there's a blood that's speaking over you, even though you don't get to see it physically. But it's what you know inside of you. I've told you before, church, you cannot, don't give me your letter from another church telling me you're a good Christian and got saved. I don't need your letter. What I want to know is, is do you know that you know that you know that you know? Do you know that you know that you know that you know down here on the inside of you that Jesus Christ is your Savior and He's forgiven you of your sins and when you die, you're going to go to heaven? That's what I want to know. I want you to be able to walk up to me and say, Pastor, I know I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. I know that I know and you're not going to talk me out of it. Because then I know that truly you've had a conversion experience. You've truly had a salvation experience. You've truly met Jesus and his blood's on your life. So now his blood's speaking over you. We don't have to go back year by year to get the blood thrown on us. Every annual year when the high priest went into the temple one time a year for the atonement of the sins of Israel. We don't have to go to that one service every year because we live in fellowship with him. Hello? Everybody say fellowship. We live in fellowship with him, and as we live in fellowship with him, his blood is speaking over our lives. They're the redeemed of the Lord. That's how your position is at the right hand of the throne of God, because his blood's crying out for you. So no matter where you are in the world, whether you're in heaven or you're on earth, His blood still speaking over your life. That's your position. You've been washed in the blood of Jesus, and you have the right to come boldly into the throne room of grace and to sit down at the right hand of the throne of God because his blood is speaking over you. One of the things I learned a long time ago from the old Pentecostals that I always loved was about pleading the blood. They, they would teach them pleading the blood, pleading the blood, pleading the blood. And what they were talking about was this. But they, they used it in that terminology. That's like in those, they were wrestling and fighting with something that said, I plead the blood of Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus. Well, in a sense, I, I get where they were coming from. But the truth is, that blood's speaking over you all the time. You've got to get in agreement with it. Now, how can you be listening to the devil on one side, like it said in Ephesians 2 there, how can you be listening to the devil on one side, the way of this world, saying, you're not worthy, you don't have any rights, you've got no privilege, speaking to you on this side of your ear, and this side of your ear over here, the blood's crying out, you're redeemed, you're the righteous, and you stand in the middle and don't do anything? There ain't no fence riding in this Christianity. Get off the fence. Get over here. Get in. Say, I don't understand it, Lord, but bless God, I'm glad your blood's speaking. I don't understand all the, the rights and the privileges of the Son of God, but I certainly want to live over here and not listen to that idiot. That idiot over there got me in trouble. Hello? You cannot forget your position. Do not use Jesus as apply as needed. It's fellowship. 
living with him, listening to what the blood says. So let me run you through a little something right here before I go to the next one. So if you're sitting there drinking your coffee in the morning and bad thought comes to you, all right, this is what I would suggest you do. You say, oh, okay, that's what the devil says. But what do you say, Lord? Get a second opinion from the one who's got the right opinion. Do not sit there and, oh, what if he's right? What if this happens? Look, folks, I'm telling you, in this world, you know, there's some crazy things that happen. There's some crazy things that go on. The enemy can, can, can twist and turn things around, and sometimes bad things have happened. But then you know what I've noticed when I look in, in hindsight? Most of the bad things that happened in my life, I lived through all of them, and God somehow or another worked the thing around, and I came out better on the other end. All right? I don't understand everything. I've learned to not try to understand everything. Because if the Bible says that I can't even understand the wisdom of God, right, but that I can have the mind of Christ, so I just stick to what the Word says, grab hold of what the Word says, live in that place, and let that be the opinion over my life, not what the enemy's whispering in my ear. One of the greatest things you can ever learn is to learn this, that the voice of the enemy. It's really simple to understand. Whatever he tells you, you're not going to be successful, or it's going to end in shipwreck, or you're going to be lonely or miserable or a thought of fear. It's not God. It's not God. Just, it's not God. Don't listen to it. Say, shut up. I want to know what the blood says. The blood says, oh, God, you're going to order my steps and prepare my way, make all my crooked paths straight. Thank you, Lord. That's what your word says. Your word says you're going to take me and hide me under your wings. Your word says that, that, that a thousand will fall up my side and ten thousand my right hand, but it's not going to come nigh me. That's what your word says, Lord. All of a sudden, those other demonic thoughts, they have no place. But you cannot give up your position, okay? The second thing you've got to do, go to Hebrews 4.14. Hebrews 4.14. <clears throat> It says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot, symp- who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne room of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in time of need. Let us hold fast our confession. Now, listen to me. The second thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to watch what comes out of your mouth. Now, I want to make this as simple as I can because I don't want you to have to go to the place where you're, you're going to live quoting King James. I'm just telling you, you have got to watch what comes out of your mouth. What is your confession or what is your profession? Is coming out of your mouth God's going to take care of you? Is coming out of your mouth God is God? God is not a God who would lie and break covenant? Always think about Hezekiah. Hezekiah had a tough day when he looked over the walls of Jerusalem and all of Assyrian army was coming to attack him. And there was millions of people out there. And he looks out there and they're like ants everywhere. And he goes into the temple, tears his garment, and he says, God, what do you have to say? I'm paraphrasing that, but that's what he said. God, what do you have to say? Because it's would be overwhelmingly convincing 
You were going to be defeated if you looked over the wall. Because the Assyrians had already defeated every kingdom around. So if he went and he looked over the wall, he, looked, he reaches up over there and he looks. Whoo, don't look good. All in the natural, it don't look good. Look like we're going down. And the horror of it. You can't, I'm telling you, demons went up there and whispered in his ear, you know what's going to happen? They're going to lay siege to the city. And it's going to be okay for a while, but then they're going to build all the city. They're going to shut off all the supplies coming in, and then, you know, it's going to get really bad. And you know how hard it's going to be to govern the city when, when everybody start, runs out of food? And then you know, they're going to get mad at you, and they're going to come at you, and then it's going to get really bad, and then people are going to be starving, and the little kids are going to be crying. And, and you know what? The wailing voice, oh, what a bad leader you are. The wailing voice of all the crying kids in the city, it's all going to be your fault. I'm telling you, that was speaking in his ear. That's what the devil does to you. He paints a picture. He lets you see. Now, was the Assyrian army out there? Factually, they were, weren't they? Factually, that's what, what Hezekiah was rehearsing in his ear. What the demon was saying to him was factually correct on the world plane, on the world level, on the, like it says in Ephesians, by the course of this world. That was all factually correct. That's how you defeated the city. Look, if you're a great big army and you don't want to go in there and you don't want to have to go up and attack the city because then they're going to shoot arrows down on you, or dump some hot oil on you, or somebody's going to get killed, something bad's going to happen. So you just simply took your army, you just encamped around the city, you just let nothing go in and nothing come out, and after about three months, everybody's going to be starved out. Hello? Listen. The one thing I've never gotten into is doomsday prepping. And I've always said, I said this the other day, and I had, had, had a lady agree with me, that if I was going to hoard anything, I would hoard women's hair dye, multiple colors. Because, man, I could trade that stuff when things went bad, man. I mean, whatever color I had, I could get whatever. Oh, okay, I'll give you this for a dozen eggs. Okay, man, I had me something to pawn off here. That and toilet paper <laughs> would be the two biggest commodities as far as I'm concerned. Gold, what are you going to do with that? You can't eat it. Hair dye and toilet paper, two top of my list. So anyway, I'm country, what can I say? Because eventually as a doomsday prepper, you cannot prep enough if nothing is coming in. You're eventually going to run out. You just, you just make it the process go longer. Okay, so everything the devil was probably saying to Hezekiah was truth. According to the course of this world, it was true. They're going to siege the city. Three months, this is going to happen. Also, that's what's going off in his ears because he knows this. He's, not a, he's not a bad king. He's not a, 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 an uneducated man. He knows how to fight war and he knows what's going to happen. That's what's speaking to him. Well, that's where the devil wants to keep us focused out there saying, oh, God, it's going to be terrible. They're going to in three months. Going to this. God, you got to deliver me. God, you got But he didn't do that. He went inside, ripped his garment, and said, man, God, I can't trust in myself. By ripping his garment, he did that because he's like saying, I can't do it. He fell down before God and said, what do you have to say, Lord? And here comes the Isaiah walking up. Walking up and said, hey, I got a word from the Lord. He gives him the word. So don't worry about it. I got taken care of. And if you read the whole story, the, the Syrians, it says God sent a whisper 
into the camp. A whisper. The whole army left because they had a whisper go through the camp that another king was attacking over in Assyria and they needed to go back, and so they all left. A whisper. God defeated all of them with the whisper. He didn't have to send down the, 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 the see, this is where I want, myself, I want, the, I want the, the, the fire and the brimstone and the hailstones being thrown down by the angels like they did with the Egyptians, right? I mean, I want to see something going on. I mean, I would be thankful that the army's not attacking me, though they had a whisper, but it, I mean, I was like, come on, Lord, I mean, give me something impressive. And I think that's where we get in trouble also because we're looking for the thing that's impressive. But it doesn't make any difference. The army was gone by a whisper. Now, let me ask you this. If you would have been Hezekiah, would you have come up with that plan? Would you have ever fallen on your knees and said, God, just send a whisper into the camp? No, you wouldn't have prayed that because wouldn't, it wouldn't have been your natural thinking because you don't think like God thinks. God thinks on a different level. God knows the end from the beginning. He's thinking on a different level, so therefore he's got other ways and plans going on that you don't know. So your confession has to be, God, you're going to take care of this. God, your confess- my confession is I'm trusting in you. You are wiser than I am. You are more able than I am. You are more capable than I am. You can make this happen I'm trusting in you. Now listen, so that you can get the glory, Lord. So that he gets the glory. Not you gets the glory. He gets the glory. See, I've learned in life that's the greatest thing to step back. And everybody said, uh, my, my, my good buddy Dwayne over there, he always gives me a hard time because you know, he, 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 says, he says to me all the time, I know that was God because you ain't smart enough to think of that. Keeps me humble. And I said, oh, you're right, Dwayne. That was the Holy Ghost because I'm not smart enough to figure that out. But I love that. That you got to know it was God because we couldn't have come up with it. We couldn't have come up with it. If Hezekiah said, look, the Lord says, everybody get your, get your, your, your arrow and, and shoot it up in the air. And as you shoot it up, it's going to kill an Assyrian. And we're going to do this. And everybody's going to shoot 10 and it's going to hit all 10. And everybody's going to get 10 and we're going to kill them all. Well, see, that would have been Hezekiah's thought. But God got the glory because there was a whisper in the camp. You have got to keep your confession out that God is in charge. God is going to take care of you. God is big. God is, going to, is good. God has got it under control. God is, that's the confession you need to keep coming out of your mouth that who you are in Christ, who he is, and who he is is God. Hello? Okay, the next thing is stick to the truth. That's simple. Stick to the truth. There's a lot of people will say a lot of things. There's a lot of people that will, that, that, I mean, that the enemy will use to blow all kinds of smoke. But listen to me, stick to the truth. There's only one place you can find truth that's in the Word of God. That is the only truth. Psalms 27.1, the Lord is my light and my salvation, and whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, and whom shall I be afraid? Is that truth or not? You say, well, it's in the Bible, but I don't know if I believe it. Oh, you're going to listen to the devil, huh? And then some people get in so crazy and say, well, that was Old Testament. Okay, I'll give you that one. All right? I'll give you that one. It's Old Testament. So does it apply or not? Well, let's think about it. The Bible says that the new covenant is built on better promises than the old. So if that was old and God says, I'm your light and your salvation, whom shall you fear? Then how much better should the new be? Hello? 
I'm preaching really good today. Got to stick to the truth, church. The minute the enemy says something to you, you got to go find the truth. Don't sit there and argue with the devil. Well, I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't think you can do that. You really can't. I really don't believe you can. Don't do that. Just go to the truth. He said, the Lord's my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, and whom shall I be afraid? Shut up. When the wicked come against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they're going to stumble and they're going to fall. Though an army may camp, camp against me, my heart's not going to fear. For though war may arise against me, this I will be confident. I'm going to be confident and keep it as my confession that, God, you've got me. You're going to take me through this. You're going to go, I'm going to walk through this thing. Though I get like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. they got a great story in the Bible, right? I mean, think about it. They have a great story. Thrown into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Woo! Killed all the guards that threw them in there. But think about it. What were they saying when they were getting ready to push them in there? I mean, I, you don't think one of them might have had a thought, oh, God. Oh, God. Are we, oh, God? God? I mean, the fire... <laughs> Guys are falling down dead around them, right? They had a great testimony, but they had to have some faith in what was going on, right? You think the devil might have whispered in there, you're going to burn, you're going to burn. But man, they got a great story now because they believe God. Went right out of the middle of the fiery furnace, jumping and dancing and leaping. You got to stick to the truth. Psalms 119, 105, the word is, a lamp into my feet, a light into my path. You've got to stay to the Word. Church, you can't get off the Word. You're not going to find your answer in the Reader's Digest. Okay? You're going to find your answer in the Word. The truth of the Word. That's the only truth you can deal with. Do not deal with the other truth. Do not deal with the course of this world or the kingdom of God. The fourth one. James 4, 7. James 4, 7, and 8. You have to resist. Folks, listen to me. You cannot be a wimp and wimp out. I used to go all the time to the, when the lumber company was open here in town and go sit around with all the old guys were in the afternoon drinking their coffee, and I'd go listen to all of them, talk to them, and, and razz them a little bit and talk to them about walking with their canes and stuff. And they always would tell me, said, yeah, you know, getting old. Man, it, this ain't easy. I was laughing at the guys out here this morning talking, and everybody's talking about their aches and pains and how they got hurt. And, it, and it's not like we picked up trusses and, you know, picked up the back ends of cars and got hurt nowadays. You know, just skinning a fish or slipped in the shower or helped your wife get the groceries out. You know, it's little things, boys, it's little things. And the older you get, you notice that more and more and more. And, but listen to me, because Christian life is not for wimps. It's not for wimps, because you have to resist. You have to rise up, pull your britches legs up, strap your boots on, and get in the fight. Now, the glorious thing about all of y'all in here, all of y'all, I know y'all. I know where you came from. You're hard-headed, biting, like stubborn, like mules, lock your feet in the ground, couldn't drag you. You say, oh, not me. I was never like that. Oh, bull. <laughs> I know you. But don't fight the wrong thing. 
Resist the devil. And it says he will flee from you. Stand up, take your position, use that hard-headedness, use that, you know, crawling out of the hole and saying, I'm going to get you for something good and positive. God's way. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Outsmart him. Don't let him get hold. You have to resist. You know it, folks. You know when that thought's speaking to you and it's making you discouraged. That's not God. Then resist it. Find the truth in the word, confess it, and watch it flee. When you look over the wall and the army's still out there, it doesn't make any difference because you're going to go over here and stay in the temple with God. You say, well, I just don't know. You know, you just can't stop and you just can't, you know, you've got to go out there and just look at the enemy every now and then see what their tactics are doing. Really? Are you going to really win? Listen to me. (laughs) I just had a bad thought. You know, I say, are you going to win? But, you know, all of us out here, we think we could pull it off. But I want to just tell you, unless it's in a shooting contest, you're probably not going to win. If it comes to be an outthinking contest, a you know, sharper, there's, listen to me, folks, there's some sharp people that are wicked in the world. They'll outthink you. They will outthink you. There are lawyers and things out there that they will outthink you. And like I said, unless it just comes down to a nitty-gritty knife fight, throwing dirt, and kicking and spitting, or a cussing contest, you're probably not going to win. You better be trusting in God. You better get the all-knowing one on your side. And quit entertaining the thoughts of, I might pull this off. Because you're not going to pull it off. I'm sorry. I remember when when some of the guys around here first started getting their pilot's license and flying. Because I've always felt like when I was on an airplane, you know, like a big jet, that if the pilot went down, there wasn't a pilot, that I'd try to fly it. You know, I could probably pull it off. I sort of thought. And they all laugh at me and say, mm, yeah, you ain't going to do it. <laughs> I'm like, don't tell me that. I don't want to hear that. I want to think that I possibly could. Right? But the truth of the matter, knowing nothing, my odds are very, very slim. I'd pull it off. And so the thing is, is you're not going to outwit the devil. He's been around forever. He knows your ins and outs. He knows your tricks. He knows your weaknesses. He knows what to get your goat with. All right? So here's the last one. Fifth thing. All right, now this may sound really simple, but sometimes I think we make the gospel too difficult, okay? The last one is Romans chapter 12, verse 21. It says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. When you're in the middle of an attack, when you're in the middle of going through that, find something good to do and do it. You say, well, what if it's not God? It's never wrong to do good. If you go read over in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, and it starts talking about all the fruit of the Spirit, if you really want to walk by the Spirit, it means really if you'll just walk in goodness, if you'll just be good, do good. You see somebody looking for change in the line. Like one time I remember we were, and and I did this out of a wrong heart, I I will admit. I did it out of a wrong heart. But we were in a line at HEB, or or grocery store, checking out, and... uh, and there was a, the line wasn't moving, and I was looking up front. I was like, what is going on? I was just wanting to get out of there. 
And I looked up and this person, you know, I can see they're digging for change. You know, they're trying to find change. And I said to the guy in front of me, I said, what's going on? And he said, ah, the guy's short uh, on his stuff. He's, and I said, really? I said, how much is he short? And he says, ah, I don't know, 50 cents a dollar. And he's standing in front of me. And I'm like, what? You know, I'd give you $20 just to get out of the way. <laughs> and so I said, I said, hey. And so he's trying to put stuff back, you know, to make the, 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 the and the clerk's just standing there. And I'm like, my gosh, get me, get out of the way, you know, when I throwed money down and said, you know, but my heart was wrong because I was like, get out of the way is what I was really, wasn't that I was wanting to be a big blessing, but I couldn't get him out of the way until I gave him some money to get out of there. So I had to repent later for the wrong attitude of the heart. The man said, thank you, but he was blessed, but I had the wrong attitude. My point is find something good to do. It doesn't make any difference what it is. It does not have to be something great, big, and spectacular. Just find something good to do. Call a friend that day and just encourage them. Do something good. And as you do something good, you're truly walking in the fruit of the Spirit. As you walk in the fruit of the Spirit, you're literally going to be walking in the the, the Spirit. And God's going to begin to speak to you and He's going to begin to show you things. Just find something good and do it. You need to pray about it. I, I preached this Wednesday night. You need to pray about the things in life that you're good at doing. And then do the, use those talents for people. And complaining is not a talent. <laughs> so I'm put that out there. I'm really good at complaining, Lord. I can find all the ways to complain. Amen? So just find something good and do it. Anything good and do it. Pick up the trash. Bless your wife. Bless your husband. Bless your kids. Bless your grandkids. Do something. Do something good. Amen? Amen? Amen. Well, put your Bibles up and stand to your feet if you would. Can I have my prayer team come down? If you're out there listening or watching today on the broadcast, I just want you to know Jesus loves you. He loves you and He cares about you. And you've got to understand what salvation means. And if you don't know that you know that you know that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of your life, you don't know it down in the bottom of your nor down here in your guts that that you're saved, well, then right there, wherever you are, just cry out to Jesus and say, Lord, come into my life. Jesus, I want you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I want you to forgive me of my sins. I believe that you're the Son of God, and watch what he will do for you. If you're in here today, church, we've got our prayer team up here that will pray with you. But listen to me. You have got to take your positions under the blood of Jesus. If you're in here today, and you don't know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you don't know for sure that you're saved, well, then you need to come talk to one of our prayer team people. If you know you're saved, but maybe you hadn't taken your position, you hadn't been letting the blood speak over you, then I want to pray for you right now. Okay? If that's you, I want to pray for you. Maybe this morning you're saying, like, I just wish you'd shut up so I could get out of here and go eat because I'm hungry. Well, then, you know, I understand that, too, because that's the voice of the course of this world saying it's lunch, it's time to eat. But listen to me, watch it, because it'll lead you off in something that's not going to bring you victory. So I want you to grab the hand of the person beside you, and I'm going to pray over you. And I'm going to bless you. And I want to ask this day that you be free from the course of this world and will listen to what the blood's saying over you. So you, by faith, grab it right now. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray over each and every person here. Lord, I declare 
that your blood speaks over them, that they are sons and daughters of God, that they are blessed by the Most High God, that this day, Lord, they have a positional place at the right hand of the throne of God in Christ. So I pray over them, Lord God, that their eyes of the understanding would be enlightened, that they'd understand the hope of the calling, that the chains that the, de- that the demon voices has put around their minds and their ears would be broken right now in Jesus' name, and that they could clearly hear the voice of, of God speaking to them, the voice of the Word speaking to them, the voice of Jesus speaking to them, the voice of the Spirit speaking to them this day, Lord, of what you have in this new covenant that's better than what the old had. That, Lord, this day they would know that the blood of Jesus speaks over their life, that they are sons and daughters of God, that they would give no place this day to anger, they'd give no place this day to confrontation, they'd give no place this day, Lord God, to feelings of insecurity. But, Lord God, they would stand boldly in the midst of the throne of grace and walk with you. So, Lord, bless them this day. Put your hand upon them this day and let them see, O oh God, how great a things you have for us. And Lord, I give you praise for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church. We're up here at the front to pray for if you need it. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Links in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you. And if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you. And remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.